All right. Week two of our discussion series uh, that we're doing this uh, this summer. Once again, this summer, we are going to spend seven weeks walking through the first eight chapters of Romans, which is kind of the most comprehensive treatment we have of the entire gospel maybe ever written. We're doing it in a little different format this summer. Uh, each week, we're going to have a rotating cast of characters around this table that are going to be dialoguing through the concepts that are presented in large chunks of this book of Romans. The reason we're doing that is not just to be different. It's because we want to create an environment of active listening. We want to create an environment of participation. As a matter of fact, there will be a number up on the screen where as we are talking here on the platform, you can be texting in your questions. Uh, they will come to an anonymous phone held by my lovely assistant, Jacob Bell, uh, and periodically he's going to bring some of those questions to us. Now, we only have a finite amount of time this morning. We will not be able to get to all of the questions. But each week we'll be posting a video that will respond to some of the questions that we didn't get to this morning. I would encourage you, dive into the scriptures with us. Think critically. Ask yourself and ask God some of the questions that you've been hiding in your heart, maybe some of the questions you've been afraid of, because God isn't afraid of them. Now, the way we're going through Romans in these big chunks, we're not going uh, verse by verse, even chapter by chapter. We're going concept by concept as Paul kind of builds his airtight case for the gospel. Each concept that Paul presents ends with a question, that question answered by the following concept. So the way I love to approach Romans is, is going by kind of the no spoilers rule which is to say it's so easy to kind of ask yourself some of the questions in a certain concept and then kind of jump to the end where you know the answers are. But when we do that, we never fully embrace these foundational disciplines, these foundational doctrines of the gospel. Last week was one of the most difficult ones. As we started last week, we looked at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 20. And the idea that we kind of chewed on was our total depravity. The idea that each and every one of us, religious, non-religious, you grew up in the church, you've never heard the name Jesus, it doesn't matter. We all have one thing in common, and that is the fact that we are all sinners. This idea of total depravity. And total depravity, it doesn't mean that everything we do is depraved. What it means is every corner of our lives is affected by sin. There is nothing, not our mind, our heart, our soul, no corner of our life that is unaffected by sin. And, and we do not possess the ability to outrun our sin. We do not possess the ability to save ourselves through good deeds, through the law, through anything else. In chapter 3, verse 10, Paul, Paul says that, that there's not one person that's righteous, not even one person. And he ends this passage in verse 20 
saying, For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. He, he kind of ends with this, this question of not one of us is righteous. No one can save themselves. The law can't save us. So what hope is there? As we get into today's passage, Paul begins to answer that question. Now, I would ask, would you stand up with me? And we're going to read together, not the entire passage we're going to look at this morning, but we're going to read together these first six verses, beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who who has faith in Jesus. Father, there perhaps have not been any more important words ever written than those that we just read. Sometimes we feel as if there's no hope. Today we stand in this room humbled and grateful by your presence and grateful beyond measure that you have created a way. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right. I would love to invite to the platform with me, Travis Clark Simpson. Clark ends with an E, so you know it's classy. Um, That's right. And Nicole Faith Hannah, who needs to go get a cup of coffee. You need need coffee? You good? Okay. Um, Travis, for those of you that don't know, is our minister of um, missions and discipleship here at the church at Lachlan Springs. Nicole, for those of you that don't know, is my wife. Better half. Much better. Much better. Um, Both of which I've had many, had the opportunity to have many conversations with um, over the course of the last few years and have taught me so much about this passage and this idea of salvation by grace through faith alone. Before we dive into that, boys and girls, um, I think there's some terms that we need to define. The passage that I just read, for all of standing, falling short of the glory of God, all all that good stuff. Those of us that grew up in the church, we've heard this passage a thousand times. But in it are contained some of those big classic church words that even those of us that grew up in the church might not fully understand. For example... Righteousness, justification, atonement, and redemption. All words that are presented in this passage that I just read. Let's take just a second kind of define those terms. Righteousness. Righteousness. Yep. 
Okay, so righteousness would be, I think the doctrine of righteousness is that God is always right, and whatever he determines to be right is true. Does that help define that at all? That God is always right? Okay. He's the ultimate authority on what is right. So, so this passage talks about how, how we can be made righteousness. In, in general, if I'm declared righteous, what is being said about me if I'm righteous? That God has imputed that upon me, some of himself. Imputed. I'm going to interject something here. Please do. I think in the simplest, um, in the simplest terminology, righteousness is simply to be made right. Yep. Just. Okay. Guiltless. Guiltless. It is, um, it's actually, it was, it was a legal term at the time that was to be, um, to have right standing in the eyes of the law, to be, to be guiltless. So, so it is this God's righteousness. We, we learn in those first few um, uh, chapters in Romans that none of us are righteous on our own. So God is the only one that's righteous. Righteousness being guiltless. Um, justification, I can go ahead and, and uh, define that. Justification is being declared righteous. Being declared guiltless. Happens right? in a moment. Instantaneously. Instantaneous. 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 Um, Atonement. The work of Jesus in his life and death on okay. the cross. Okay. It, yeah. it, easily enough, it, it is to cover to sin, to purge, to, um, to, to reconcile. That's the big word there, to reconcile. And basically, you can take atonement. The easy way to remember atonement is take at one with. So we are made at one with God. Okay. Atonement. I'm going to simplify it again. <laughs> Non-seminary student. Um, Yeah, it's the substitute punishment. So there had to be a substitutionary punishment. And so that's what atonement, that's what Jesus' life and death and resurrection did. Sorry. That's okay. Yes, exactly. This this atonement, this, there had to be a price paid. Right. And, and atonement is kind of these, these reparations, the price that's paid for an injury or an offense Jesus is the one that paid that price. Um, And and the final term that comes up in these passages is this idea of redemption. And and I'll tackle this one because it is so, so powerful to me because it it would have had incredible connotations to those that were reading this letter in the church at Rome a couple thousand years ago. Um, Redemption was actually an economic term at the time. Um, largely used for slaves, uh, those that had either been sold into slavery or born into slavery, they could be redeemed. And what that meant was a redeemer would come and pay a price for that slave so that from that moment they were declared free. From that moment and forever, uh, that person was given immediate and complete freedom, kind of returning to their intended state. Let that sink in for a moment. Redemption is a price being paid for our freedom so that we might return to our intended state. Now, if I put all these words together, righteousness, justification, atonement, and redemption, um, I paraphrase the passage that we read, um, starting there in Romans 3.21, what I read is that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared by the Almighty Judge God 
to be completely and totally guiltless because Jesus paid the price for our sin and now our freedom has been purchased. We are completely redeemed to him. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. Okay. So with that, first of all, for, for those of you that are listening, that is the gospel. You have just heard the entire gospel. The most difficult thing about it, from what I have found, is that it is so simple. If we remember from last week, not one of us is righteous. Jesus paid that price. We have been declared righteous, we have been justified, and we have been redeemed. That's the gospel. Through faith and faith alone. What makes that concept so difficult to grasp? Through faith and faith alone? Yeah. All of that makes that difficult. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We live in a culture um, in a time where nothing worth having is free. That's what that's what the world tells us. You got to earn something. We live in, you know, the greatest culture in the world because we can make it happen by working really hard. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Um, so that this the gospel message of of we are justified by grace through faith alone flies in the face of that that says you have to work to earn something. Mm. Um, and I think that was the point. Like, I think Jesus totally, clearly knew that. She nailed it. We're done. So you want to go ahead and close this out with let's, a word of prayer? Let's pray and um, go have lunch, right? It, it, it is. And, and I have found this to be true in so many of my discussions and, frankly, in my own life. Um, it, it is that simplicity that, that becomes so difficult because... We want to earn something. Mm -hmm, Totally. Um, We want some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. It's one reason that it's so important that we spend so much time talking about our own sinful nature that no one is righteous and resting in that so we recognize that we even have a need to be redeemed. And it's another reason that we don't jump ahead to the idea of sanctification mm. because that's where we get confused and we want to begin to earn things ourselves. So let me ask you this. To me, as, as I kind of walk through these passages, perhaps the most powerful chapters in the entire scripture, I, I'm always haunted by, by this idea. So, so first, I'm going to ask a yes or no question, then I'll ask a follow-up question. Do you have to believe in salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone to be a Christian? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Okay. That being the case, salvation by faith alone. If our actions do not reflect our belief in that idea, can we still be assured of our salvation? Oh, please, Jesus, yes. 
Does that make you nervous? Oh, well, I'm 44, and I just recently came to the conclusion that, like, I'm a, a past missionary, and now I'm a pastor's wife, and I've done a lot of good things, um, things that God's called me to do, things that he, by the grace of himself alone, has used for the advancement of the kingdom. Um, but I totally made it about trying to earn favor and say, hey, yeah, look at me. Look what I'm doing, Jesus. Isn't that good? Like somehow doesn't that mean that I'm more worthy? Like you're more proud of me. Um, so, yeah, I hope that I hope that our actions can not always reflect that. And we still claim that to be the truth in our own lives. Is that the way you're asking that question? Um, I've split hairs with you a lot of times. That's why I don't have any left. I was so. about to say, you and I both. Please, I, you know, split I, hairs with me again. <laughs> well, I just wonder. I kind of heard it from the perspective of the fact that if we if we don't live out what we say, are we truly saved? Um, that we that there is an action that comes behind the faith that we claim. Um, so I didn't know which way you were going. What I hear Nicole saying is absolutely. I mean, I, I agree completely that. Once I profess my faith and put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then my actions should change. They should produce good. But at the same time, they never will be completely good, mm-hmm. um, contrary to what some of our Wesleyans believe. But uh, the total, total sanctification, this side of heaven, I don't believe in. Um, no. So I think that that question could go either way. Because okay. I definitely am a sinner, and therefore if I'm still a sinner, does that mean I'm still saved? And that's a question that I believe you were answering versus does my life have to reflect my belief? And if it doesn't, am I saved? We've, we've already gotten amazing questions here, several of which um, I, I believe relate to this specific topic. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up just a second, ask a couple of these questions, and then bring it back to this discussion. Uh, first of all, I've got a couple of questions here about uh, being declared righteous. What does it mean to be declared righteous, and when does that happen? Yeah. Okay. So justification is that instantaneous legal Mm -hmm. act of God. Mm -hmm. So justification, God is a just God, and therefore sin must be punished, right? So that's why Jesus died on the cross, to pay the penalty for the sin that had to be punished. And when we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, when we become believers because of his work through our faith, at that moment, the just judge declares us no, no longer guilty. Because the payment for our sin has been paid by Christ. Therefore, we are declared justified. We are declared righteous in that moment. I think, I think there, um, it talks about it scripturally also about if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts, that's the moment of justification. So, and that is, you know, in the spiritual realm, that happens. The Lord says, she's mine. So instantaneously, confess with our mouths, believe with our hearts... Um, it's, it, that's faith in Jesus Christ, this atoning sacrifice that we've talked about. And in that exact moment, I am declared righteous now and forever. I'm, God sees me through the blood of his son. He right. sees me as perfect and sinless, right? Yes. yes. Okay. And that remains. So here's your follow-up question. Are we righteous even when we have committed something so bad like murder. I I feel like we need to make sure we 
we kind of rest in that moment of you're declared righteous and sinless then and forever because of the atoning sacrifice. So, so oftentimes I'll get these questions of, okay, Hannah, I get it. I'm declared righteous by my faith. Jesus' atoning sacrifice, all that good stuff. But you don't know what I've done. Then I would go to 1 John Ooh. 1, 9 I know that verse. and 10, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. And verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the word is not in us. So clearly there is the implication that I will continue to sin. Till Jesus calls me home on this side of heaven. Doesn't matter what the sin is. He doesn't say, if you did this, but not that, that's not forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. If we say we don't sin, we're a liar. And the word is not in us. I don't think that can be any clearer, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, I mean, I picture in my head the judge slamming the gavel down. You're declared righteous. That's it. There's no going back from that. He's not going to change that on your account. Um, and now at the same time, justification does not mean that our character is changed. We are still a sinful being. But we are declared righteous because of the way he has given us that through Jesus as our substitutionary atonement. If murder kept us out of heaven, David wouldn't be there. Not, not me. Not, not this, oh, sorry. Yeah, his name's David, too. <laughs> Maybe this one, but not, king, not in this King one. David, yeah, Old Testament. Samuel. Dude, I'm sorry. Nick, I totally listening. forgot his name's David, too. Um, yeah. David, King David in right. the Old Testament. Because <laughs> he murdered. So, so I, I have, yeah, everybody got real nervous for a second. Justin, it's all good, buddy. Or thank you. <laughs> you, have the, you have the cuffs out. Um, I, I have, uh, I've been blessed to be able to walk through Romans in many different contexts with many different groups. Um, and, and when, when we get here, when we get to these questions, I will say time and time and time again, the one thing that we all need to understand is we are justified, we are made righteous, we are, we are saved, we are redeemed by grace, through our faith, through faith, period. If we add anything to that, it is blasphemy. And, and people hear those words and they'll nod, but if you say things like, if you believe you are justified by faith and not being a murderer, mm. That's blasphemy. If you are justified by faith and being a good husband, by faith and writing your tithe check, by faith and whatever you want to put behind that and, it, it, literally it doesn't matter. If you put and something, it is blasphemy. It's, is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. So, so to answer the question, are we righteous even when we've committed something so bad like murder? The answer is yes. Yes. Through Jesus Christ, right. yes. We are, we are declared righteous, which that's the important part. 
It's not that we are righteous. Paul is very clear in, in Romans uh, 3, 10, and so forth, that none of us are righteous of our own accord. But we are declared righteous by Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we do is, if we go all the way back to, to Romans 2, 1, that, that idea of uh, don't judge each other because when you judge somebody else's sin, you're condemning yourself. It's that thing of, all right, King David committed murder. If I sit here and say, well, he, he wasn't righteous because of his murder. What I'm saying is, I'm not, Jesus' sacrifice doesn't, doesn't make me righteous either because I haven't committed murder, but I have sinned. I, I am just as depraved, just as unable to escape the consequences of my own sin. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't think there's anywhere in Scripture that talks about a sin being different than another sin, except that they all separate us from Jesus Christ. So, I mean, there's murder is no different than lies. Lies, yeah. Okay. Um, so, in Romans chapter 5, in this passage, as you begin that, as, as Paul begins that chapter we see two of the great benefits of, of justification, of being declared righteous. I'm going to read that to you, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Paul writes, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we see these two incredible benefits of our justification. Um, that is that we, we obtain access to God and we make peace with God. Which of those two are harder for you personally to embrace? How you think that question? Being declared righteous or having peace? Is that what you're asking? Yes. No, 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 no. I'm not being declared righteous. Having access to God through through our justification or or having peace with God through our justification. Access. Access? In what way? Unpack that for me. I don't know. I think for me that's just tougher. Um, I view him as holy, as separate, as other, as perfect in his glory. In Scripture and Old Testament I see where his glory manifests itself and so bright people have to shield themselves. You know, he puts puts uh, Moses in the cleft of the rock so that he passes by and all of this coming into his presence in the Old Testament was forbidden more or less. I mean, you had one day with the high priest, right? Um, so access to me is still the one that I believe hinders my relationship with him more than anything else. Um, when I am able to best understand and live in the fact that I truly have access because of his death and through his flesh and now the curtains torn as Jacob was reading in Hebrews earlier, that's when my relationship grows. That's when the intimacy grows between me and the father, but that still is the most difficult part. I think I have to enter into his access to fully understand the peace that I have that he has given me. Um, I, I I'm an anxious person by nature. I have anxiety. Um, and so those, those passages where 
um, it's clear that as we have access to the Father, peace is a natural outflow. I struggle with that because I don't always have peace. I don't always feel it. Um, I worry about things that I really shouldn't worry about. And so I struggle with the concept of peace is available to me no matter where I am or what I'm walking through. It's a state of being, actually, and I really, really, really struggle with that. Gosh, I, you know, I, I, so often I'm in the exact same boat, this idea. I, I'm, I tend to be good with access. I tend to be okay with, with the idea that, that I have this direct line of communication with the creator of the universe, as mind-blowing as that is. The trap I fall into is the peace. It's just, it, it's this constant spiral and thought loop of, but I'm disappointing him every single day and I've done all these things and how can I have peace with someone um, that, that, that has loved me so much yet I continue to be disobedient? Yet what Paul tells us is when we are justified, when we are declared righteous, through our faith, when we receive that grace, not only do we have that access, but we have peace. I can not only communicate with the creator of the universe, but I have peace with the creator of the universe, which is such a difficult concept um, to, to, to embrace for me. These questions are are amazing questions. I wish we could um, get to all of them. Some of them, spoiler alert, uh, we're not going to answer today because some of them will be responded to next week as Paul moves on from this concept. Um, (laughs) But one I wanted to read and, and hear your thoughts. Is obedience even required? to get God's justification. No. We talked a little bit about that in right? in Hebrews today, obedience. Um, is it required to be declared righteous? Is obedience required? Keep saying to... it. <laughs> okay. Maybe if I say it enough, it'll make it true. Um, I mean, obedience in the sense that I have to believe it in my heart that it's true. Do I have to do anything? No, no, still no. I would think to, I would ask the opposite of this. If, if obedience is required for justification, then does disobedience mean I can't be justified? Mm. Ooh. And it doesn't because justification has nothing to do with me or my yep, action. It's all Jesus. So obedience is not required for justification. God does all of that. Right. Because that justification is, so the the righteousness that we're talking about is the imputed righteousness. And so that is, Jesus' perfection is given to me. So it has nothing to do with me. Like he is perfect. Even your faith is just a conduit. And I have it now. Right. So it doesn't matter what I do or don't do because it's, it's his merit, not mine. Right. It is, and that's, that's exactly right. When we, when we fall back into this idea of to be declared righteous, I have to be obedient, then what we are saying is... Faith and. 
Faith and. Faith and obedience. What we are saying is all the stuff that Paul said in Romans 1 and Romans 2 and the first half of Romans 3, that doesn't apply to me. I know everybody else is unrighteous, but I can be righteous enough. Right. And, And the reality is you cannot. There aren't enough good deeds in the world to outrun our own sinful nature. But the beautiful response that Paul gives us to that idea is there are also not enough sin in the world to outrun God's unbelievable grace, Mm -hmm. just his radical grace that covers every one of us. Romans 5, right after... Paul gives us these benefits of our justification, access and peace with God. He says, starting in verse 3, Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This hope that will not disappoint. What is that hope? I think you can go back to verse 2. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay. So our hope is in, is in God himself. His work. So, so one way, um, one of the reasons that I struggle with that concept so much is because I'm a Vandy fan. Um, and that's what Paul was thinking about. When right. He wrote probably. This. Um, and, and every August right around the tomato fest, I also am filled with hope. Um, and that hope tends to disappoint. disappoint. Uh-huh. Year um, by year, by year. <laughs> every year single after year. So, so when I read that, I think of this thing that I'm, I'm really wanting and it's out there and I'm hoping for it. How can I be assured that this hope does not disappoint like so many other hopes in my life? You know, the, the, the marriage that isn't working, the promotion that we got passed over for. The, the financial struggles, the, all of the things in my life that don't look like I had hoped they would look. Why is this hope different? It's not a moving point. Okay. It's fixed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Mm. He doesn't become less able or less powerful or less anything. Um, and so when your hope is in a fixed point on a fixed point their disappointment's not a possibility mm. right yeah yeah i mean and your hope in the person of jesus christ right. who doesn't change who's defeated death who's ascended and has all authority you're never let down someone who has never broken a promise now he is also the cornerstone that lots of people stumble on that's another talk for another day. That's another talk for another day? Yep, sorry. Okay. Within these two chapters, halfway through chapter 3 to, to, to the end of chapter 5, if you wanted those of us in this room to know one thing about this passage, what would it be? Nick? 
Um, I, th- I think I would want you to know that it really, truly is the better way. Mm. Um, I've born and raised in church. I've loved Jesus pretty much my whole life. Um, and I've done a lot of trying to earn my own salvation and it doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. And it landed me tired and irritated and frustrated and sad. Um, just done work. Like if I can rest in that reality and that truth that I have Jesus's righteousness as my own, not anything I can do or say ever from this point forward will change that. He cannot be more proud of me. He can't love me more than he already does. Um, That's what I want you to hear. But I also want you to hear that you're not alone if that's a struggle for you. I, pastor's wife, chief among sinners, um, I ask the Lord on a regular basis to help me grasp that concept better than I did the day before. Do rock? Yeah. One thing out of these three chapters is a lot to ask for, but I would go to verse 26 of chapter 3, and where it says, It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. A lot of times in my life, um, daily, when I sin, I wonder about that sin and Satan uses it to creep in to tell me I'm not worth Mm -hmm. his death on the cross. And this verse out of this chapter says that he is just and the justifier. So not only does he know and recognize that sin that I have committed already today, he has already declared me righteous through Christ's blood and that sin no longer bears my account Mm. or I'm I'm not wrapped up in that sin. There's a freedom in that that can't be found anywhere else in this yep. world. Mm. Yep. Mm. Amen. There are so many amazing questions that have been sent in today. I, I know we couldn't even get to half of them. Um, a lot are going to be discussed next week. Stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, as, as next week we, we get into Romans chapter 6, the entire passage. Guys, read Romans chapter 6. Read ahead. Study about it. Jot your questions down. Today, what I want you to know, what I, what I want to know that I know that I know that you have heard this morning is When you place your faith in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross, from that moment, you are declared guilt-free from that moment and forever. There is nothing that you have done. There is nothing that you have said that is not within the reach of God's grace. There is nothing you will do that can tear you from that grace. There is nothing that you can do to earn it. We are declared righteous, justified by God's grace through our faith, period. Please, 
Don't add anything to that sentence. Would you guys pray with me? God, it's so simple it doesn't make sense. All we can do this morning is kneel before you, grateful that you made a way. Grateful that through your son, we have been justified. Our freedom from our sins, purchased, redeemed now and for always. It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen.